Hi everyone, it's Corey Hickson, your host for Talking to the Internet. I just wanted to take a quick minute before we dive into this week's show to say thank you. Listening and sharing means more than you know, and it helps others learn about the show. My hope is that this show provides value by entertaining you and educating you. If you find value in the show, please share it and review it. If you want to connect with me personally, I'm at Hicksonerous on Twitter, and the show is at TTTI Podcast. If you want to support the show even further, you can leave a tip or set up recurring support via the links in the show notes or on the website. Thanks again for listening, sharing, and learning with me. Now, on to this week's show. Welcome, welcome. This is Talking to the Internet. It is my privilege to have James Thompson on the show today. James is an indie iOS and Mac developer. For a group of the internet, he is known as the maker of Drag Thing and PCALC. Uh, for a different group of the internet, he is a frequent, frequent guest on the Incomparable Network. Um, he writes uh, occasionally, as he puts it, on his uh, on a blog and different blogs, various blogs. Um, and then from where I've known him the most was probably from the Clockwise podcast. Um, that's where I, I got to know James. And then now, uh, without a doubt, the way that I, I think of James in my head is from UT, UK TPK, uh, the Total Party Kill uh, UK edition, which I laugh at pretty much every Monday as, it, uh, as I listen to it on my drive home. Uh, it's just a, it's a very fun time. So James, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I'm really, really grateful to talk to you about talking on the internet and the human side of talking on the internet and why you do it and why you choose to put yourself out there in the ways that you put yourself out there. So thanks so much. Well, uh, thank, thanks for inviting me on. Um, I, I, uh, you told me about a few of the other people you've recorded with so far and I was like, it's nice to be in esteemed company. Very much so. And you were, you were, uh, the first, let's just say one of the first recommended guests to the show. So, uh, another, um, another one of the individuals that, that's been on the show formerly, um, recommended you. So that was, that's exciting as well. So thank you very much for, uh, heeding that, that call of being, you know, taking up the charge of being the recommended guest. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, no pressure now. Um. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So you, you talk about, uh, in your Twitter bio, uh, which we're going to get to your Twitter, right? Because there's a, there's a part about your Twitter that just kind of fascinates me, but we're going to get there. We're not there yet. Uh, you talk about being a, an occasional writer. What does that mean? When you say you're an occasional writer, what does that mean? Well, I mean, I've had a blog on and off for years and I've done stuff for like I wrote uh, an article for iMore like four years ago or something. And I wrote some stuff before that for Jim Dalrymple's Loop uh, magazine, just some short pieces. And I've done stuff in the past, but um, I wouldn't I don't think I get to call myself a writer just because I can occasionally write. Uh, but you know, it, it's, it's something that I like with all of these things, I enjoy doing it. And, you know, I seem to have some ability to do it. Uh, but you know, whether it's the best use of my time, uh, is an, a, an open question. Ba based on what criteria, like when you say the best use of your time, how do you evaluate that? Well, okay. I mean, there's, there's a lot of 
this comes into a, a, a much bigger question is like, you know, what do I do with my day? Because, um, you know, as you said, I'm an indie developer. I have been for 20 years. I uh, used to work for Apple before that. Um, and I, you know, I basically, well, I, I should also say, you know, I, I have my own company, which I run with my wife. She also formerly of Apple. Uh, but it it's a now that I'm an independent developer, it's like get up in the morning and pretty much I can do what I like. Well, that that's that's not true. I make my own hours. Let's put it that way. And uh, it's like you know what what is the best use of my time from a professional level in terms of you know what product am I going to work on what feature of that product am I going to work on you know I'm going to make something new what am I going to do and then what's the best use of my time from a personal level in terms of I'm not working and I'm you know relaxing and hobbies and things like that and so it it's a some of these things that we're going to talk about kind of fall between two categories is, you know, is this work? Is this a hobby? Is this fun? Is this, you know, so uh, best use of my time is a, is, is a, is an increasingly important question in my head as I sit there, you know, what am I, what should I do at this moment in my life? You know, it's it's a it's a very deep deep philosophical question. Well, yeah, best use of your time is especially interesting when you're sitting, giving your time to you know a very new, very uh, you know um, fledgling show. So I appreciate I appreciate you thinking that this might be not just the be not the best use of your time. I won't go that far, but an okay use of your time. So thank you, uh, thank you for doing that. Don't put yourself down. I mean, I think it's. Uh... Everyone has to start somewhere. It's not a huge hardship to sort of switch on a microphone and just chat to somebody for an hour. So have you ever thought about taking your occasional writing, right? So the way I think about write, talking to the internet, right, is there's writing, there's podcasting, there's making YouTube videos, there's doing screencasts, there's, there's a bunch of different ways that we can talk to the internet. Um, have you ever thought about taking that and, you know, your primary daily job would be developing the applications that you develop right yeah uh, but but have you ever thought about doing that in terms of a freelance fashion where you know you freelance write for an outlet um it the thing is it's with a lot of these things i know i can do it and i it's easy to do one-off things but when you have to like say do a story every week or you know every month or you have a fixed deadline and then it transforms from being the, oh, this is a fun thing that I can do to this is a thing I have to do and I have to do it by this Friday. You know, it, it, it changes the dynamics slightly. Um, and I mean, we'll get into it, but as kind of one of the reasons I think that I don't have my own podcast as such, and I'm just a guest on, a, on frequently on other people's podcasts, but, you know, I get to have the fun bit, but I don't necessarily have to do the the sort of, it hasn't become a job yet yeah uh, and you know that that's a, that's a great way to um ruin your hobbies uh is to turn them into work sorry that you've started a podcast but you know it, it's it's um and i i mean honestly i don't know that i'm good enough to do it on a regular basis 
but I just don't I don't know that the, the writing side of stuff I mean I enjoy doing it but I, it takes there's a lot of things that I can do but I think it takes me you know like twice as long as somebody else to yeah. do it you know so I can do these things but I don't know it's if it's the most efficient way of uh, well certainly in terms of work say like generating an income because for me that's you know sit down write code you know that that's the the easiest um turning my time into uh an income thing yeah. uh if i was to try and do you know podcasts i mean like an example uh i i've done a number of conference talks and uh, i did one uh last year uh a uh, it's called an illustrated history of Easter eggs, sort of tracking uh, Easter eggs, mostly in Apple platforms over, you know, the last sort of 30, 40 years or whatever. Hidden things in software. And the yeah. most famous was um, the author of the game Adventure hid his name uh, in a secret part of the game. And just because he wanted credit and, and Atari wasn't giving him credit. Anyway thing was i did that talk and you know it's very nice to be asked to speak at conferences and uh i hadn't done one for a few years and you know i'll get back to why i started on on uh podcasts and conferences and speaking and all this sort of thing in a bit but anyway um i was asked to do this and i thought okay i've got an idea i've got a reasonable idea for doing this and i then spent six weeks doing the research and building the slide deck and writing the talk and stuff for a half hour talk and you know this was a possibly the least uh wise use of those six weeks in terms of you know a business perspective but it was it was really fun to do and to do all the research and stuff but uh there is this kind of like when you work for yourself it, it's like you need to you need to balance that. You need to balance the doing stuff that has to be done to, you know, to generate an income, uh, to, you know, keep the lights on. And then there's, if you have the time, doing other stuff that enable you to be a bit more creatively fulfilled if the main stuff doesn't do that. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's funny that you say that's a big driver for why I'm interested in doing this show and why I've, I've wanted to create the show is one, you know, I'm trained as a PhD, but I'm at a teaching focused institution right now as my daily job. And, and it's not that I don't have the ability to scratch the creative or the research itch, but it's a, it's not a primary portion of my job. My primary portion of my job is to teach, mm -hmm. you know, it's to teach my subject area and that's great and that's good, but it's, there's still that piece of like, oh, well, I really want to learn and I really want to think about these things in different ways. And, I, and then I want to talk to people and, uh, so it's just kind of it's interesting that you that you put it that way. Um, have you did you listen to the recent the most recent ATP? I haven't. I haven't yet. No, I will come back to the again. I keep saying we'll come back to things, but yeah. um, I have you know like I have so many friends who do really great podcasts, and I have very limited ability yeah. to listen to podcasts because when I'm writing code, I can't listen to people talk. Because I get that. Yep. I think it's, you know, something to do with linguistic centers of your brain or something like that. But it just does not work for me. If somebody's talking to me, whether it's a real person or a podcast, I can't focus. And I need to be in this like absolute zen place, especially when I'm trying to do some 
debugging task and you're like 30 levels down in some piece of code and then any any sort of distraction and then you have to just completely start again because all that state has fallen out of your brain um so i can and i because i work from home you know uh i don't have a commute so I tend to listen to podcasts in the shower yeah. and I listen to podcasts as I go to sleep, which is not a comment on anybody's podcast in particular, but some people have a really calming voice and I just sort of drift off listening to, to somebody talk. Um, and so other than that, my podcast listening uh, availability is uh, quite small. So yeah, I try and like, there's things that I will... I will listen to more likely if I listen to a live recording. So Upgrade uh, with Mike Hurley and Jason Snell is a good example of that. Uh, Because I'll hop into the chat room and I can sort of at least, you know, if if there's some technical discussion or something going on, I can throw in my two cents on it and, you know, give some, you know, I feel a bit like I'm taking part a bit more, you know, if, if I'm in that. And that's one of the... That's one of the things I like about podcasts or I like about podcasts with people I know is that it's a way to keep, you know, in touch with them to a certain extent. Oh, and that's funny because that's, that's probably that might be the first time I ever heard your name, right, was somebody was doing a show and then it was like, oh, James Thompson in the chat room says blah, 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 blah. Like you, so you were commenting, you were talking to the Internet through somebody else's like formal live show that was happening so the reason i bring up atp atp is because they just had a a conversation about you know covid19 and coronavirus and Mm. you know whether or not these big conferences should happen and you know they were talking about the pros and cons and of the actual conferences and marco i I think it was marco went on, on on a big um spiel about uh how you know you do all this thing and you prep for this talk and you put all this time into it and you put all this effort into it and then there's 200 people in the room and maybe they recorded it and if they recorded it maybe the quality's good and if the quality's good maybe it makes it to the internet you know and it's like in like anymore there are all these other mechanisms there's um there's blogs there's twitter there's you know youtube there's podcasts there's all these other mechanisms to where you can reach people really well that isn't a conference, um, but then there is that human piece, right? Like there is that piece where you go there and you're actually face to face with somebody and you're goofing and you're laughing and you randomly all decide to go somewhere and grab some food and that's where you build those strong friendships. But it was just it was interesting to me to to hear you tell you about talk uh, creating the the presentation and taking six weeks and it's like is that really the best use of your time when you could do other things and reach much bigger bigger audiences yeah i mean the the um the, talking about like wwdc and things like that it's like these days all the sessions are streamed anyway so or, or at least they're recorded if not streamed live so when i go to the conference even if i've got a ticket to get into actual uh, wwdc uh i don't go to sessions because you know i can watch that later uh the only reason generally to go to sessions is to see the names of the people who are, you know, giving a particular talk so that you know who uh, to go yeah. and track down. But um, for WWDC, the value 100% is going to the labs and talking to the engineers, like, who are actually building the particular functionality that you might be using in the operating system. And also, then, it's 
it is the, those face-to-face relationship building interactions you know there's there's many conferences like the the ul conference that was in ireland uh when i went to that i think it was the 2016 one i talked at uh that was great because you know you're like this was a they'd taken over an entire sort of health spa resort place in in the south of ireland and so there was i don't know a couple couple hundred 400 people all there for this conference so you're kind of like literally everyone there once you've given your talk everyone knows who you are so you, you have all these conversations all these interactions and i made a ton of friends out of that people that i've kept up with uh since then and uh that's the thing that I'm going to miss the most is the, is the actually, you know, the, there's people that I know that I talk to on a regular basis, but that I don't physically see except maybe once a year, once every two years. And being able to just sort of hang out and have some downtime and, you know, go out for a drink or, or a meal or, or whatever with these people is the, the kind of what's missing. But, you know, at, as we are talking you know we're kind of things are getting more and more serious it seems on the coronavirus front so i think when apple does uh cancel wwdc or they won't cancel it because they haven't announced it but when they sort yeah, of exactly w- exactly when they say oh we're going to transition to being an online event and we're going to do these things differently because they've always done a lot of it you know a lot of the content has been available online uh so when when they do that, that will be good from all the developer side of things. But you know, it will be it will be a we'll miss I'll miss seeing some of my friends. Uh, but you know, it makes sense I think at this point oh, yeah. not to ship you know five thousand people and two thousand engineers around uh, the world. Uh, and I think the the open question on that is really. Are all these companies who decide to skip this year for conference season, are they going to say next year, uh, well, let's go back to the way it was? Or are they going to say, well, you know, we didn't actually... It worked out pretty we well. We didn't have a conference. It worked out very well. We saved ourselves millions of dollars. Everybody coming saved millions of dollars. You know, uh, is, is this the beginning of the end of the conference season? Uh, which, you know, would be a good thing, uh, especially for the planet, uh, but a bad thing possibly for people who you know i i talk to so many people who are who like hear all these stories of these um meetings and like random things happening you know just making this random contact that turns out to be really important or you know influential in your career or whatever and people aren't going to have that or op- maybe not have that opportunity um so yeah it, it, it's one of those kind of odd things i mean i just got back um some artwork for uh what was probably going to be some wwdc merchandise that i was thinking about and it's like well it's some really nice art and i will find a use for it somewhere but i'm probably not going to have any t-shirts or anything um or or stickers to give out at wwdc because yeah i don't think it's going to happen uh one of the things that i didn't expect to to come into it and this is why i love you know conversations with people is you do you know you do development on the apple platform and you get a lot out of going to these things and going to the labs and talking to the engineers uh, at apple um, about specific things or about general things that are going to help you 
how could they, meaning Apple and other companies, where, you know, back when back when there's a smaller number of people who are developing for you, it's probably a little bit easier to manage. But when you when the app store takes off and and you know you start getting millions of developers, you have to turn to more mass scale communication, right? So when they're thinking about talking to the internet, and the internet in this case being the developer community, right? Like how could they do a better job talking to you to help you do what you do every day? Well, that, I mean, a big question. I think the they need to... So, so WWDC, typically you'll get the engineers who are writing the stuff on stage giving a presentation about what they're working on. So if it's some new feature of the operating system, it's generally somebody of the from the team that's working on it who will give the talk um apple also has um so a developer relations group which is you know includes people who uh you know if you have a very specific problem you can write in and you can say can you help me solve this and you get a limited number of goes at doing that per year but you know that that that's kind of like the the uh de- the uh, developer technical support folk are very good at, at helping in that sense there's also a documentation group which you know writes up you know this is how the api should work which is not necessarily how the api does work but you know the, the, there's kind of <laughs> There's all these different groups, and I think the thing would be to uh, fund the uh, developer relations and the, the the documentation people more, so that there are you know there's because I think they always have limited cycles to deal with people, and you know uh, limited time to write documentation on everything and so on, and you know. Apple's a trillion dollar company. It should put more money into that side of developer relations, in my opinion. Um, you know, just just to allow them to do more of a job so that there's there's more more that can be uh, uh, more reference material and things like that. To, to replicate the kind of the one-to-one relationship stuff when you, you know, like when you actually get to talk to somebody, I I have no idea how you do that. I mean, yeah. you know, the, like, sure, there, there are things like, you know, you can have microphones and FaceTime and things like that. You could talk to people across the internet. That's not the problem. The problem is if you have a million people who want to talk to one person, it just doesn't scale. And I don't know how you do that. Uh, and, I mean, WWDC has always been a sort of... A, it's been weird because... I've been going to WWDC since on and off since 97, I think. And there was a point where, you know, Apple uh, developer folks would phone you up and say, do you want a discounted ticket? Because we haven't, you know, sold <laughs> sold enough tickets. And yeah. and now, you know, the, the conference, well, there was a point before they, they moved to the lottery system, there was a point where the conference you know, they put the tickets on sale and it would be like Taylor Swift or something, you know, tickets would sell out within 90 seconds. Yeah. And and only 5,000 people got to go. And increasingly, it's been extremely expensive, especially, you know, the, the hotels and travel and accommodation yeah, and stuff. So you're talking, you know, many thousands of dollars, especially if you're coming from overseas. So it really limits the amount of people who could be there. So, you know, it, it's one of those things. It's like, I personally... 
you know, we'll miss that kind of thing. But if something arrives that's a bit more democratic in giving more people access to those kind of things, uh, I think that would be better for the community as a whole. Makes sense. All right, let's let's get to what I thought was interesting as I was learning about you and as I continue to learn about you, um, I follow you on Twitter. I looked at your profile and I'm, and I'm scanning around, I'm looking at things and I see that you have tweeted 76,885 times at the time that I looked at this. I'm, I, I would imagine it's more now. You want to talk about talking to the internet, right? I mean, well, okay, seventy six thousand. So, like, if we think about it, you know, one hundred and forty characters. Let's say you use them all every time. That's a lot of writing. That is a lot of writing. Yeah, but I, I think there's a large number of those tweets. Well, a, there's going to be tweets which are, you know, people who uh, tweet at me for some technical issue with my software or whatever. So there's replies. So you can probably discount half of those because okay, okay. it's going to be replies to people saying, how do I do this? Or, you know, something like that. And, you know, I, I, I don't call that writing, really. I mean, the, the, occasionally I'll come up with an uh, what I think is a pretty good tweet, but it's not 76,000 of them. Also, and I worked this out, I've been on Twitter for 12 years. So that's like less than 20 tweets a day. So if you... You know, you factor in if there's something like a live event and I'll be live tweeting over it, that'll be like 100 tweets in yeah. in an hour. So that biases it a bit. So, you know, I think that's probably, let, we'll call that, you know, 10 tweets or less a day. And that's not too many. I, I think. I agree. You know, it's that, I, I don't think of Twitter as like this great um weight on my shoulders of well i mean it's a weight on shoulders for many people for many reasons twitter is a yes. terrible place but yes. it it is for me personally i, I it's generally a, been a nice experience once i started muting and blocking uh, everything that i didn't want to hear about um but i it's not an it's not like uh emotional burden is not the right phrase but if you know what i mean it, it's not something that weighs on my shoulders that it's like oh I, i've got to i've got to keep up my um my my tweets today and come up with at least yeah. three interesting things to say or whatever i just when i i've met people that are like that right it's like oh what what's the interesting thing i can throw on twitter today like what's what's the thing that's gonna go that's gonna go viral today and it's like wow that's what a burden like the thing they have to be walking around life thinking like that oh man i mean th there are people like uh, all all this stuff, the 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 sort of, it's only uh, tangentially related to my income in that I make a product and I sell a product and people hopefully buy it, and everything else is kind of like, um, you know, Twitter definitely helps me, uh, and I have a reasonably large following on Twitter. I mean, it's like whenever you talk about Twitter following it or Twitter follower numbers, it always feels weird because you're either yes. sort of saying, Hey, look how important I am. Or you're like, Oh yeah, I'm really important. And then people go, you know, you, you have, you know, just a small number of followers. It's not really, you know, impressive if you compare it to somebody else. And I, I try not to do that, but it's like when you look at some of your friends and, and you think, Oh, you know, 
I, I don't know how many followers like somebody like Marco has, but it's probably in six figures. Um, and and it's like, well, that doesn't mean that, you know, I've, I've got 16,000 followers on Twitter, you know, probably half of which are bots, but there's a lot of people who follow what I say. And it's a bit intimidating and a bit, yeah. a bit sort of, if you actually think of a room containing that number of people, yes that that that's always my metric for this and it's like hmm you know it's like oh, twelve thousand people watched this talk when it was on youtube that's like a, a sort of medium-sized auditorium for you know selling out a gig or something that's kind of scary but yeah. um you know it but if you look at somebody and they have like 10 times the followers you have that doesn't mean that they're 10 times better than you or you know you're 10 times worse than them uh, or anything like that and a significant number of people who follow me such that I don't want to be just tweeting nonsense all the time oh of course and I I feel a certain amount of you know if there's something happening in the developer community you know like a, a good example is like trying to put pressure on Apple because there's been a bad decision made about some app review thing to some smaller developer. If I can use my platform to kind of give it some more visibility, that's a good use of, you know, having that sort of slightly larger follower number. Um, but, you know, if you if you look at people, you know, there's, there's people like John Gruber or somebody who's probably, you know, three four hundred thousand followers people like that and um you know if you look at folk like um uh, cgp gray who has you know many i think millions of uh subscribers on youtube and things like that you know they're in a completely different world than the world i'm in but you know i'm probably in a completely different world than uh, quite a lot me. of people well, i wasn't going to i wasn't yeah. going to say you that you could say it because it's true yeah, yeah but, but but it's like there's always somebody bigger and more important yeah. than you that which is kind of like a lesson at whatever level you are in life and if you're at the top of that that there is nobody more important than you then you know you you're clearly in a world that i just do not understand um yeah. be, and it, it's you know, it's kind of like, I think all you can do is really try and lift up the people who are have a smaller number of followers and, and things and try and, uh, and people will do that to you as well, you know, so it's kind of like yeah. try, and, try and help those who you can help is really uh, i think what the these platforms are are for um the the, the problem with twitter is uh you know i i'm a sort of straight white male uh middle-aged guy i i don't get harassed really on twitter yeah. and you know yeah. it, i it's hard because there's a lot of people that do and uh you know uh women and other minorities particularly and so if twitter is the you know the one place where you can like maybe do these sort of business deals and and things that aren't happening because we aren't meeting face to face then it, it it's a problem because those people might not have the, the same opportunities and things or you know they can try and have these same opportunities and then mobs of people on Twitter have a go at them. And, and that's terrible. Um, but yeah, for me, Twitter has been generally a, a reasonably good experience. And I think it's been useful in uh, 
to use a terrible phrase, building my brand. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. Um, and which is useful, you know, if you if you're trying, like I, you know, I I sell my main product is a calculator. Um, I have another app which I started fairly recently, which is a D and D dice rolling app um, called Dice by Peacock. Uh, Peacock being my main product, which has existed for I worked it out recently i think it's 28 years at this point um but so you know the dice by peacock thing came out of the total party kill podcast that we were talking about uh but you know when i'm trying to get some interest in in those things uh twitter and things like that is is very valuable and being a sort of known person uh, in the ios developer community is definitely helpful you know and that's i think one reason why i go on podcasts uh you know because it it does help be me be more visible and helps me you know have a day job uh and be able to afford to do the things that i do uh but a lot of this stuff the sort of podcasts social media and things it's because i work from home and you know i don't have that office environment around me that uh you know, when you realize, hmm, I haven't actually left the house in four days yeah. or, or yeah. whatever it is. Uh, and then you go outside and there's this weird, overwhelming sense of lots of people. Uh, and you think, hmm, this doesn't seem good. <laughs> I, so I saw I saw a tweet yesterday and forgive me if you retweeted it and I saw it through your, your feed. But uh, it was somebody saying, you know, with the whole COVID-19 thing that they were going to be trapped in their house for, for a week or two, you know, never not going outside and da da da, da. And they were like, I'm an indie developer. I sit in my house yeah. all day, every day. I, I've been, I've been training for this for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Um, one of the things that's interesting is you talked about using Twitter for product support and technical support, right? And I hadn't thought about the resource that that mechanism of talking to the internet could be right because i'm assuming you do all your own support yeah and i can only imagine getting a flood of emails would feel like a gigantic weight on your shoulder where being able to split that up between different mechanisms and you know if i send you a request on twitter there's a i don't want to say there's a lower expectation but it might be easier for you to respond to that in a very concise manner where the formality of email would make it, you know, what what's a 10 second tweet to address an issue is a two minute email. And that adds up over time. So I hadn't thought about you using Twitter to talk to your um, customers and to talk to people who are interested in your app. Like that's a really interesting use of that mechanism. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it wasn't something that I kind of consciously did. It just happened, you know, over time. And uh, I probably the amount of email I've got has dropped dramatically since the app store came along. And I don't know why exactly, but there's a sort of now that there's like Apple as a kind of gatekeeper between the, the, um, the creators and the people buying the stuff, because, you know, we don't get any, if you, if you buy a copy of my app on the app store, I have no idea, you know, I don't get your name or email address or, or anything like that, which we used to get in, in the, the olden days when we sold directly or used some, a service like Kagi, which uh, was a payment processor. Um, so, 
there's this kind of slight uh, disconnect between the the customer uh, and the developers now. And I think that might have led to less emails or something. I, I'm not sure exactly the reason, but yeah. my the I do the support stuff, but it's generally you know I'll I'll do that in an hour or so in the evening, or, or you know do a little bit as the day goes along. But uh, it's not a huge burden, and you know most of my Twitter is you know just me posting whatever is happening in my life at the particular moment. Um, but it's mostly commenting on things in the Apple community. Yes. Um, and I think that's, I, and occasionally politics when I'm really frustrated, but I try not to post political stuff on Twitter because um, it's either going to alienate people or it's going to, or the people that are reading it are of the same mind anyway, and it doesn't help. Yeah. But sometimes you just need to, you know, vent about things and, you know, uh, politic we're in an, an interesting time for politics right now if yes, i can we... put it that way but and, and i i will uh i will also you know if there is some cause which is uh, uh a, a good one i will try and use my platform for some good in you know like fundraisers and, and retweeting things like that but um yeah i i I would. I don't think I can claim to be apolitical. You know, if if I'm sort of uh, retweeting a variety of of things which are clearly political in nature, but yeah, it, it, it's it's an interesting thing when you're kind of doing this and like the boundaries. I think is an interesting thing with podcasting and podcasters and you know social media people and influencers and all, all this thing it's like where is the where is the line between personal and work and uh, -huh. uh between how much do you put into the world and because i think that that's one of the things that um i think people like about podcasts is it is that sense of knowing the person a bit, you know, even if that person doesn't know you back, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's a bit of a one-sided relationship, but you know, yes. you know, you, yes. you're, you're like, you've, you have this, I have this sense that there's people that I've listened to on podcasts for years that I've never met and I don't know, and I probably never will. But if I, if I ran into them, I would think, yeah, you know, this is a person I'd like to have a, you know, a drink with or, or a chat with or whatever. They have no idea who I am whatsoever. But I've listened to hundreds of hours of them talking. And so I feel that I know them. Yes. And I probably don't know them because, you know, some of this is they, they may, you know, not talk about certain aspects of their life or, or whatever. But it becomes, I think increasingly weirder when you have people who are like uh personalities and like the the i, I i'm not in this situation really but it, it's a case of you know how much do i manage you know especially if you have very large uh following like i i know people who like won't take a picture out their window uh because that will reveal to the world where they live. Yeah. Because people will sit and triangulate, you know, positions and say, oh, there's that landmark there. There's that landmark there. So 
I think that they live here. And um, <laughs> that was like the weirdest experience I had, uh, which is the only thing like this, is um, I was on uh, Twit on uh, the This Week in Tech uh, as, a, as a panelist. And I went out of my house uh, the next day and there was a guy in a car on on my road and he sort of beckoned me over. And usually in this situation, the person will say something along the lines of, you know, oh, um, can you tell me where so-and-so street is or whatever? So I went up to him expecting that conversation and the guy just said, I just watched you on Twitter yesterday. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is weird. I've been like, I've been recognized at conferences that happens you know if like i'm at wwdc or, or some other conference you know and i'm running around wearing a peacal t-shirt people will say are you james thompson fair enough um yeah. but this was like being recognized just in my civilian clothes on the street on my street in fact and, and it was like oh this is weird and it's like i just came out of my house did that person see where i came from do they not know yeah, where i exactly. live um, I mean, it's very nice. And the guy was, you know, just had a brief interaction and, and, uh, but it, it was really strange and I can't imagine what it must be like. I mean, I've been, uh, I've been out, uh, I was in, uh, a restaurant, uh, with, uh, let us say, uh, a large number of tech podcasters whose name you will know. And yeah. like the, the manager of the restaurant basically came over to the the table and said, are you so-and-so? And and it, it was just like, that's just so strange because in the middle of like, I mean, this was uh, in, in Austin in Texas, but it, it, it's sort of the, I can't imagine what it must be like to actually be a, a, a real celebrity as opposed to, you know, I, I just sort of, uh, cosplay as a celebrity i think you, you play what you play what on tv yes, right <laughs> exactly i i'm in no way a celebrity and if i ever say that i'm a celebrity you have you know you can uh, uh point out to me my hypocrisy but it, it's it's just so strange but but yes uh, so that that was that was my one experience of that of, of kind of being recognized and uh how odd it felt <laughs> I always, I always try to keep that in mind, right? So you, if, if you've ever been in the airport and you've like randomly seen, you know, whoever, like you're talking about big name, crazy celebrity, I always think, okay, this has got to be so weird. If you walk up and you're like, oh my gosh, it's, it's you. Da, 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 da. And they're like, yes, it's me. And I'm trying to fly on a plane Yes, <laughs> because I'm also a normal human being who has to, who has to go places and, and do things. And I'm flattered, but really, I just want to fly on my plane. Like, I just want to listen to whatever I'm listening to, watch whatever I'm watching, and just fly on my plane. So I always try to remember that, like, they're a normal person, right? They just happen to do a thing that means they have a million and a half, you know, followers or that, you know, they're, they're super uh, in the public eye kind of a deal. So the, the example of this uh, recently, um, so Mark Miller, who's a comic book writer, um he's written a number of fairly famous things um he lives in and around glasgow and i saw him going into a toy shop with his presumably uh, young daughter uh very close to my house and i saw him and i thought 
no, you're here with your family. You know, you're you're doing family things. This is not the point where I'm going to go up to you yeah. and say, oh, I really like your work or, or whatever it is I was going to say to him. And it's just like, let the man have his have his yes. Saturday morning. He can just, you know. And sometimes you'll see somebody and you'll kind of like, just give them a nod, you know, in a kind of like, I know who you are. I appreciate your work, but, you know, I'm not going to hassle you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but I mean, sometimes I think it might be nice for, the, for people to, you know, especially if you're, it depends on the situation. Because as you say, if you're in an airport or you're in a random shop or something, or you're trying to have a meal with somebody, you don't really want people coming up. But, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're at a, a like a comic con or or something like that. Um, I've seen this is a, a tangent. Um, the one of the things about Twitter that I've found quite interesting is, especially for people who uh, run, clearly run their own Twitter accounts. I mean, I'm not talking big celebrities who have a team of social media folk who are doing stuff. But you know, if you have as like a medium scale, what in in my mind is a celebrity. But like somebody, say, to use the comic book example, um, you have somebody who writes comics and they have a Twitter following that's probably similar to like what I've got. And I, and you start to think about it and you think, wait, these are humans. You know, all these people who make these things that you think yes. of are as like these untouchable, like super celebrities. They're, you know, they're actually human beings like us. And yes. One of the things that's odd, if you go to a Comic-Con, um, like a proper one, like not not the sort of TV and movie things, but the things where you have artists and writers of comics, uh, there's always cues for the artists. There's never cues for the writers. Because, um, you know, the, the artists, people, I think, resonate more with the art. I mean, I'm looking up uh, above my desk. I have a whole bunch of signed uh, comic art uh, f from various artists that I like on my wall. Uh, but nobody kind of talks to the writers. So if you go to a Comic-Con, you will see these people generally sitting there at a desk, maybe chatting to the, the people on the desks either side of them that they know, because all, all of these things, it's like the uh, you know the Apple developer community and the comics writer and artist community everybody knows each other and they meet each other at conventions and chat away anyway but you see them sitting at a table on their own and they're really happy for people to come up and say you know I love your work uh, you know uh, and have a good conversation with them and generally because there's not cues you can have a you know a proper conversation um, yeah. like uh uh what, one of my favorite writers who's uh, written uh, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl comics is Ryan North. And he's, I think he's one of the cleverest writers in comics. And he was at a, a local Comic-Con around here. I had a probably, across, across the course of the, the, the day that I was there, I probably had a, you know, a 45 minute conversation with him. You know, and it was like a, an actual, you know, two people talking to each other with no sort of imbalance in, you know, relation, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was just really nice. And it was like, hey, this guy's a human being. I like him. You know, he now follows me on Twitter. He occasionally likes some of the jokes that I make. And that's, it, it's a, 
there is a sort of democratizing thing of that that you know uh, that the being able to talk to somebody who makes something and to realize that they are you know they they have a day job it's you know you might have a different kind of day job but it's still a job uh and it's nice to have those interactions sometimes and kind of remind yourself that especially you know like occasionally if i'm very frustrated at something in uh ios or some developer thing that i'm doing and if i tweet something negative about this feature or whatever it's not impossible that the person who worked on it actually reads that and feels a bit bad about themselves or yes, whatever that yes. i have trashed their work that they've been working on for many years and I've had that occasionally happen to me where I've just, because I've, of course, got various vanity searches set up on Twitter that will just tell me if somebody's, you know, talking about my products, which is useful if, you know, somebody's tweeting about PCALC and hasn't directly tweeted it at me or, or at the PCALC Twitter account, and I can see that they've said something and whatever. But, you know, occasionally I'll see somebody say something mean about me and I'll feel bad. But... um you know, if if I trash something and somebody reads that and feels bad, you know, that's not good. That You know, you're putting negativity into the world and it's, of course. it's not a, a good thing to do. Uh, so keeping in mind that all the people who are working on this stuff, you know, Apple is like, I don't know how many employees Apple has these days, but, uh, you know, it's got many tens of thousands of employees but there are actual humans in there making stuff yeah. so yeah that was one of the things like uh john syracuse of atp who yeah i would consider a friend now um he wrote when i w worked at apple i worked on the the mac os 10 dock uh, and the finder and he wrote a review of the doc that I had done. And I didn't see that review at the time. I saw it probably 10 years later. And I'm so glad that I didn't see it at the time because it was a scathing review. It was an, ac <laughs> it was an accurate review. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. And my version of the doc never shipped. It's a long story. You can hear it on various things that I've talked about. But, yes, sir. Uh, but but yeah, that that was kind of an interesting thing of reading this really damning critique of my work and thinking, ah, oh, I'm so glad that you know I I read this with ten years of distance between that point and now. Well, and and you've pegged on something that is a large motivator for me to do this show, right? Is is I hear all these individuals talk or I watch YouTube channels and. And I, I see them putting out content on the internet, right? And you don't really necessarily get, because it's not the venue for it, right? Like you don't really get the why are they doing it or the human side of who they are, right? And they are, like they're they're humans. Like when, they're, when, they, when they click end on the record button, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a microphone or whether it's a, a video camera uh, or whether they hit publish on the, on the blog, they go back to dealing with, you know, I'm hungry and I need a drink or, or I, you know, I have family upstairs or, you know, this thing's happening or that thing's happening. And it's like, I wanted to get into more of, of why that is. So I appreciate you, you saying that and it's, and it's a natural, it's a natural transition in us to think about. So I primarily know your content through podcasting, right? Yeah. Through, so through the incomparable, through clockwise, through total party kill, those type of things. Why? Why did you do it? What got you into it? What made your 
What made you even start doing those things? Okay, I mean, it is a really simple answer to that. Um, and it's basically, I've had a lot of sort of social anxiety and sort of the thought of standing up in front of a room full of people and talking was just completely terrifying to me. And I decided at this point, something like six or so years ago, that I would try and fix that, you know, because I'm a programmer. I like to debug things and fix things. So it's like, how do I fix this? And it's like, well, you know, the only way to really get over that is to stand in front of a room of 500 people and give a talk or, you know, talk on the internet. And it's, I mean, like, I'm way better at it now than I was, you know, to the point where I actually enjoy giving talks. Like the, the one that I did most recently, the Easter egg one, that was a lot of fun. And I, I did that talk twice. I did it in Canada uh, at NS North and I did it at um, Hacking with Swift Live uh, in the UK. Uh, and it was a fun talk to do. And, you know, the, I I still, you know, had a slight, some slight nerves before getting up on stage, but I think most people would. Um but even in the podcast, like uh, I've done some live podcasts, like I did a, a couple of live Clockwises. Uh, Clockwise is the most stressful podcast um, because you have like a very limited window to sort of get your point across, you know, because everything is sort of timed out and you can't talk too much. You can't talk too little. You have to get it exactly right. The other one that which was it was a recent thing for me was uh the incomparable has some game show quiz show type things on it and doing those is another level of uh terror because you know you've you're trying to sound you know smart funny know what you're doing win uh well, maybe not win. I don't think I've ever won. <laughs> but you know, you're you're trying. You, you're competing as well, uh, and especially you're comp- like a lot of these podcasts. Um, they're done by p- people who are professionals at this, and I'm not a professional. I mean, I like I've I might have recorded uh, somewhere between a hundred and two hundred podcasts uh, over the last six years, but I still think of myself as a complete beginner to it, and I'm not. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think of myself as like a seasoned professional. Um, and, and a lot of these people are. And a lot of them are writers and they're good at thinking on their feet. And I'm not necessarily good at thinking on my feet. So, you know, where it all came from is wanting to try and challenge myself and to sort of learn how to do these things and to sort of face my fears. And I, I think it's been a very successful in that you know i can now stand up in front of a room of 500 people and and give a talk i've over prepared the talk as i said for six weeks but you know it's uh it's something that i know i can do now and you know i the podcasting like this feels fairly natural because you know it's just a conversation between two people there's it's not excessively um you know, scripted or anything like that. I've got, you know, we we both have some notes that we're looking at, but it, it's general and we're not really going through them in any order or anything. And it, it's just a, a little light structure for the conversation, but it is a conversation. So it's... Yeah, of course. Of and, course. and it's easy. You know, this this stuff is now easy to me. Um, See, that's, that's fascinating to me. I would have never guessed that you got into it out of, you know, trying to overcome... Um, 
something that you struggled with, right? Like, and that it, it's such a cool, such a cool story to hear that, you know, that it was a good mechanism to move you from one point to another on that, uh, on that journey. Like that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I, and I, I think, you know, there's a lot of people, you, you know, if you do a talk and then you, you confess how nervous you were and people go, oh, you know, you, you didn't seem nervous at all. I'd have never thought that. You know, that's true of so many people. You know, there's a lot of people out there whose content that you're listening to who, you know, they fa sound so super confident and together yeah. and you think, oh, I could never be like them. And it's like, well, here's the thing. We're all just making it up. We're, we're faking the fact that we're <laughs> confident. You know, it's like I always think of it as sort of... Um, it's acting in a sense. It's like you're playing. Oh, yeah. You're playing a slightly more confident version of yourself on stage, and yeah. uh, at some point, you know, the, it becomes blurry as to you know, am I actually still acting this, or am I confident, or you know, but but yeah, there, there's a lot of people out there that you that you will have no idea that they suffer from you know a variety of anxiety and depression and 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 whatever yeah. it is, and uh, yeah. because. All you see is the good parts and the polished parts and the edited parts and all this. You talk about, um, or we, we've kind of in the in the back channel. Uh, your first podcast, right, was uh, the incomparable. So I know you've done some blogging and some writing, you know, off and on, pri probably prior to that. Um, but was on the incomparable as the TV podcast. You've you've been like you said on two hundred ish uh, other shows how do you how did that all get started like how did you get invited to the first show or how did you invite yourself to the first show and then how did you become a recurring guest on certain shows um you know we talked about clockwise which for those of you that don't know clockwise is a technology podcast where they address certain topics and they have 30 minutes to do it and it's a hard 30 minutes to do it and it's a panel show so there are multiple people on the panel and you're bouncing around and everybody's kind of saying their little blurb um You've also been on panel shows where you're talking about a movie or you're talking about a TV show or you're doing a draft. Like, how did you get invited to those things? How did you invite yourself to those things? How did all that get started? So um, Jason Snell is the person who runs the Incomparable Podcast Network. And I've known Jason for something in excess of 25 years since back in the day when he was an intern at Mac User Magazine. I was talking to him. This was at the Ool conference in Ireland again. And we were talking about Doctor Who because we both like Doctor Who a lot. And he said something along the lines of, "I, you know, we should just do this on a podcast. And I'm like, I've never recorded anything before in my life. How does, you know, I don't have a microphone. I don't know how to do this. And and upon returning from the conference, I bought a, a Blue Yeti microphone, which is not what I'm currently using. I'm using an uh, ATR 2100 uh, USB, uh, which is my okay. which is my recommended cheap podcast microphone. It's, you know, it's like less than $100. And I think there's a new USB-C version that's come out. Anyway. Yeah, and I'm using I'm using the Blue Yeti, so that's that's funny that you mentioned those two. The, the thing, the Blue Yeti is a great microphone, and it's a great starter microphone. Uh, it just picks up too much background noise for me. Yeah. And if you're, especially as I know you're in a house with children, um, you know, it, it's uh, and I live in an apartment building, and there's people above and below me and stuff, and uh, so the, the 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 ATR microphone picks up a lot less uh, sound 
from around you you have to speak directly into it but it, it's a, it's a you know and it, it's a good it's a good thing to start with anyway that's not the point point is um so we we were just having a chat about doctor who and star wars you know over lunch and and it was like jason said oh you know you should come on the podcasts and so i think it was like the 20th episode of the tv podcast that i was on so fairly not close to the start of the incomparable because the incomparable is coming up for 10 years uh this august uh but you know the i i was sort of in on the ground floor of the talking about doctor who stuff and, and i did those and you know um i've it's fun. I mean, like that that stuff is yeah. definitely comes under the hobby side of things. I don't make any money out of this stuff, you know, like uh, the for all the podcasting and things that I do, it's either about, you know, it's building my profile in the Apple space. And, you know, I, I always think of like if I'm going on a tech podcast and, I, you know, it's like the celebrity going on the chat show, you know, because they've got a book to sell or they've got a movie yeah, out or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's an exchange of here is some of my time and I'm exchanging this for some visibility. It's it's how I know about Peacock. If it wasn't for you coming on shows, I would not know about the program Peacock yeah. at all. And, and, it, and so the, I'm quite happy to do all, all that tech podcast. You know, I will say the word Peacock as many times as possible. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. But uh, but for the for the, the incomparable stuff, it's because I want to chat to Jason and, you know, all these people about Doctor Who or, or whatever it is, because it's fun. And, you know, it's, it is does come down to the working from home thing. And it's like I might spend, you know, my lunch hour chatting to somebody about stuff. And, you know, I, I've got to talk to my wife, but uh, it, it's nice to have that sort of social contact that you miss yeah. uh, as an as a as a working from home person. Um, and the the that's that's where it started. And, you know, I got invited on, I think I can't remember what the first went what the first clockwise if that had come out of all as well um all was this conference in ireland and it was the i was went to about five of them and i i think they they may still be doing it i didn't i didn't make it to the last one uh and it's, it but it was a great conference for just sort of meeting people and talking to people and there's a lot of friendships that came out of that like mike hurley um i first got to know all um as he will remind me uh, i say that i met him for the first time at this particular all and i had in fact met him at the one the year previously and forgotten him <laughs> and i was basically talking to jason i'm like you know sort of go away kid stop bothering me uh, and i didn't yeah. i didn't do that but but we became really good friends out of the next one uh and uh and that's partially that's how i ended up on relay things and you know uh, you talked about the total party kill podcast and that came out yeah. of mike wanting to play D D. so getting a sort of group together of mostly uk uh people uh, because the you know the hardest problem with podcasts and the hardest problem with D D is uh scheduling people and that doubly so if you're doing a D D podcast so you know, we got together a bunch of people and I hadn't played D&D in 30 odd years. Uh, so it was it was a lot of fun to, before Mike was born, I should say. And uh, it was a lot of fun to do that. And we recorded most of them last summer. 
and then f- there was a gap of like three four months and then the final ones were the episodes that are just about to appear um uh we'd recorded in december uh and and you know that that's just been a great opportunity to hang out with friends and you know playing dd is a you know good fun thing to do uh if you'll let me fan fanboy for a second right uh-huh. uh, i know nothing about dnd like the the most i know about dnd is i i work at a coffee shop that doubles as a tabletop gaming place mm-hmm. and i there's people that come in and they do all kind of different games so some of them will come in and they'll play dungeons and dragons some of them will come in and they'll play you know the latest star wars tabletop game whatever it is um I've never had a desire to play Dungeons and Dragons, right? I randomly heard about your, you know, the UK edition of Total Party Kill, and I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Like, I'll try this and see what it's like. It is, it's hilarious. It makes me want to play Dungeons and Dragons. Like, it it makes me want to, more than anything, it makes me want to hang out with five or six people and do a thing not because of the thing, but because I'm going to get to hang out with these people while, while I do the thing. And I think that's what I love about the show is it's so much, or the, like, I guess the, the, the um, campaign that you're all doing, right? It's in my mind, it's so much less about what's actually happening in the campaign. And it's so much more about you all trying to get Liz to stop making bad choices right like you're trying to get her you're like like come on like no we just need we need to do the mission and she's like I want to firebomb this and I want to do this and I want to go back and explore that thing like and I just love it like I just think it's so funny uh, Liz is definitely an agent of chaos um yes. I, I mean yeah it, and it, and it's I really enjoy doing it I hope we get to do more um and i've also been doing the the lego dioramas which are the podcast art which um, are amazing right like if 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 you would put out high-res images which you may have but if you would put a high-res Im- images there is a chance that those, some of those would end up on my wall well i mean i i, I <laughs> so i put together a poster and i don't know what i'll do with it but i i have a poster which has got all the art um and a, and a sort of total party kill logos and stuff on it and i don't know if anything will ever come of it and i might just print it for myself and put it on the wall or you know at the end of the campaign uh, maybe i put up the high-res art or, or something i do have high-res versions of everything um and i i have toyed with the idea of doing something with it because some of them i d- some of them i was really happy with and some of them i thought i had you know i had to do something and i you know i've done like 24 or something of those and there some of them were quite elaborate like the tree that was a few weeks ago oh yeah oh yeah that that took me like 8 hours to build <laughs> and again talk about you know bad uses of time but it was fun cuz i like lego well and, you, and it wasn't a bad use of time for me cuz i think i think they're fascinating i love them um but it, i just like trying to like cuz i in each one there's um tony cindela who's the dm i've hidden him or not really hidden but he's in in the shot of most of them but there's also uh the parrot that lives in the the house that he's in yeah. uh, is also in every shot and <laughs> things like that and it's it's just like um i i actually uh, jason gave me a budget to do lego so you know this is my lifelong dream is that i've you know being paid to uh, do lego to do lego so how do you all how do you all talk to each other right is there are there platforms online that mediate you all i guess maybe not talking to each other because that would probably just be skype but how like is there a, a platform that mediates you playing online um so for the D yes i mean we've got um 
there's a, a website called Roll20, okay. which lets you sort of put up a map and, you know, see your position in your tokens, you know, your characters and move them around and sort of get that sense. And uh, it also can do uh, dice rolls and stuff like that. There's also um, D&D Beyond, which lets you have your character sheets uh, with all the details of your stats and stuff that you know the dm can look at and you can look at for reference and things and we used zoom for doing the uh, recording and we did uh video there's videos available of all the all the recordings which is again a, a weird thing like doing video that is going to stay on the internet forever where you're just kind of like riffing with your friends and and it, I had to re, I had to move a whole bunch of crap from my office from one side of the <laughs> office to the other side to make a nice sort of background for me playing because I knew it was going to be you know on somebody's screen even as a tiny thumbnail I didn't want yeah. you know, stacks of cardboard boxes or whatever's currently in the office. Um, so if anybody's interested in those videos, where are they? Um, I think they are linked to in the show notes for each episode. Okay. But if you go to the incomparable website and find the actual episode page it has the the artwork and the um oh i didn't know that it has the link to the the, the page uh the video so uh the, the videos are, are fun because you know you'll miss out on the fact that when i was in character as my uh dragonborn i was not only did i have a voice because uh, i had i have i messed around with some voice changer stuff to make me sound slightly more dragon-like but i also had a dragon mask which i wore at various points just to amuse the other panelists see and i and i thought that was just lost to the to the art of podcasting but i didn't know there was a video so that's awesome i'm gonna have to go check those out um, um that, that, that's I, gonna be crazy fun i mean that's a, that was one of the weird things with that was because the so to backtrack slightly one of the ways that um the incomparable makes money uh is that there is uh you can be a member so you pay an amount per year and you get access to other stuff and so one of the things is they do uh what's called the bootlegs which are as soon as a recording happens the, the whole thing goes up uh with the sort of pre-podcast conversation and the post-podcast conversation on it completely unedited the whole thing oh wow so so it's like and people love that you know people will the uh, there's a lot of and the members are great but they will they're clamoring for the latest stuff and they want the the you know the i i think a, a lot of podcasts uh you know, if you, if I listen to a podcast that I've been on and it's been edited and it's been edited well, it's great because I think, wait a minute, I completely, f- you know, flubbed that line or or I said something I shouldn't have said at that point or, or whatever. And it all gets taken out and it just sounds like this very smooth, slick thing. And, you, yeah. and it's not, you know, there's a, a lot of very good uh, editors out there who, who are sort of trimming, trimming the fat out of these things. But... Um, there are people who love these um, these bootleg recordings, which, you know, for the, I don't know if it's for the authenticity of hearing us like pre-actual, um, you know, now we are officially recording, you know, that just the, the banter between people. Um, 
but there's also there's a um, just in terms of when you're talking about platforms what I, what I thought to mention was there's a slack channel there's a, well so there's a slack for the incomparable um, for hosts for organizing stuff and we chat out chat and hang out in there there's also another slack for the members and we also hang out in there so like the members can go into that and they can sort of have interactions with uh, with people and with each other and that's where like my dice rolling app was I used the I took over basically the total party kill slack channel in the member slack and I had <laughs> I was like posting builds to that on an almost daily basis and getting feedback and, you know, it, it was being developed as we were playing D&D because uh, it was some because I, I had this sort of getting back into D&D and buying dice and buying dice is always great fun. And then I sort of had this sidetrack into building this dice app, but it, it was you know, it came about because Jason said in one of the recordings, I can't believe you haven't written, you know, some D related app yet and i was like hmm i wonder if i could do that and, yeah. and i i wrote the first version in two weeks from like hitting new project to releasing it on the app store and that was a a, a very that's not what i do normally so it was a, it was a challenge for me to try and come up to write something to prototype it prototype it in public with these uh members from the total party kill group and uh that was a lot of fun as a whole experience because you know it touched so much stuff i was doing doing playing dnd with my friends i was building a dnd related app and still am uh which has done actually surprisingly well which has it i was gonna ask yeah, yeah. i mean I, I mean it's not it's not if it was the only app i was doing uh i could not survive on it but as a little side thing you know i need to work on peacock Peacock is what brings in the income, but you know it's yeah. it, it'll keep me in dice uh, certainly. Uh, yeah, for sure. But uh, working on that and then doing the Lego stuff, and it's just kind of like a bunch of little creative things. And you know, because the the dice app has sold and sold quite well, I feel financially it was it's all been a worthwhile amount of you know time invested and stuff but you know for the D, I would gladly play D with these people with no recordings whatsoever yeah. because you know it's just hanging out with them and i and i feel the exact same way about this show and like what i'm doing right now is like i would love it to be supplemental in some way right like obviously because you know it's a, it's a non-trivial it's a significant amount of time right to do something and to do it well but if it doesn't end up being like that i'm totally fine with that because i get to talk to interesting people about a subject that i'm really excited about so i get it i get it completely yeah yeah and, and uh again i think it's a, it's a factor of like we have all these friendships across the internet and we don't necessarily get to see these people as often and you know for me it's just a way to chat to my friends and if other people find that enjoyable as well to listen to uh, that's great. It surprises me. I mean, some I, there's a friend of mine who, you know, like a, a real life in person in in Glasgow friend who watched all the uh, Total Party Kill UK streams live when we were playing them. Like, oh wow! I, and I was like, I was like, why? And he was like, oh, you know, I just had it on at work. I was just had it on in the background. And I'm like, that I just. 
I mean, I, I'm not saying bad of anyone who loves to watch these things live because I enjoy like the live recordings, as I said, of things like Upgrade and, and stuff. But it just surprises me that... I think it surprises me generally that anyone listens to anything that I do. And, you know, when you have an interaction with somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, I know all about this because, um, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about it. Best one of those, I will say... Um, I was at a WWDC a few years back, I think it was 2016, and uh, Craig Federici is the head of Apple's software group, so in charge of, you know, iOS, macOS, all, all those things. And I saw him at the conference. I mean, this feeds back into us, you know, seeing celebrities and whether you should go up and talk to them or not, because he's definitely, a, you know, a celebrity in this community. And I was like, ah, you know, he's... He's sitting watching a, uh, a talk, so I'll wait till the end and, you know, maybe I'll just say hello. So, you know, I went up to him and talked to him and I introduced myself and, and I sort of started to go into, you know, a brief spiel about who I was. And he said, oh, yeah, I've heard you tell that story on a podcast. And I was like, ah, it's like, hey, <laughs> I, I, the only podcast that I can think of that I told that story on was uh debug with Rene Ritchie and Guy English and yeah. I know I talked a lot about Apple stuff on that that you know maybe I shouldn't have said or whatever uh various stories I recommend anyone who's interested find that episode of debug uh, that I was on because it's got some good stories on it but the fact that he had listened to it and knew I knew who I was was just like very worrying terrifying whatever uh. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and occasionally, you know, you'll have these, you'll have interactions with people and they will know more about you than you think that they know about you. Yeah. And, and that, that's, it's kind of nice in a way and it's kind of uh, strange in a way because I never, well, I never record podcasts thinking that anyone's listening to them. Well, and, and especially, and that's what makes the medium so awesome is especially if I listen across your different shows, right? Because I've heard you on a, on quite a few different avenues and different venues you get a really interesting i'm not going to say accurate but you get a really interesting and potentially like a, a somewhat full picture of a person again that might be accurate or it might not be but it goes back to your point that you made earlier it's like i feel like i kind of know you even though we don't know anything about each other other than what you've said through various shows but i have this picture of you and then here you are you're like yeah, I just, uh, this guy sent me a message on Twitter and I responded, you know, it, it's, so it's like, it's so interesting how when you aggregate things, you get this picture of a person, uh, via what they've said or what they've, you know, shown or what, or, you know, who their personality is on the internet. Yeah. I, and, uh, I kind of, <laughs> you know, you always think, I hope that I, have not said anything in a podcast i always have this worry like after i've recorded a podcast i mean i don't think i've said anything on this one but you know occasionally i'll go back to somebody and it's like can you take out that bit where i said yeah. this because i i yeah that sounded bad you know when i listen when I, mean, I was thinking back on what i said i sounded like a real jerk <laughs> and, and you know so the, there is a certain amount of 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 editing and you know maybe you're getting uh, a curated view of what somebody's like but i try you know i don't generally do that that i am aware of but because as i say i don't think about it i don't think about yeah. the 
audience. Not that I like want to do a bad job, you know, because, you know, you want to be entertaining and you want to whatever. But I think if you start to think about it in terms of that, of, you know, pleasing an audience specifically or pandering to an audience or whatever, you know, you probably kind of change the, the content uh, or something like that. So, yeah, the, the, the I think the best podcasts are, you know, just like friends talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so if you were going to make a show, right, and, and it doesn't have to be a podcast, you could be a YouTube channel, you could be a, like actually start a full-fledged blog, what what would you do? What would the content be? You know, what what way would you want to make this show? It's a difficult one. Um, I mean, the the obvious answer, I guess, is to do something related to development. Uh, you know, you could do. I could do something where I like live streamed my actual work. I uh-huh. I, I would never do that because I think that's terrifying. I mean, this comes <laughs> comes back to the the whole kind of social anxiety thing, but also. I, I, you know, I uh, mess up a lot when I'm working, you know, it's like, oh, I'll spend two hours on something and I realize, oh, that doesn't work at all. You know, uh, like I've, I've gone down this blind alley or I'm writing something not in the best possible way. And I feel that if somebody who knows what they're actually talking about watched it, they'd go, oh, you know, this, this comes down to also a bit of imposter syndrome, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and uh, that's something that I've definitely struggled with as well. But they would never say anything on Twitter. Like they would never, ever, you know, like call you out on Twitter ever. No, but, you know, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Sarcastic. But, you know, it, it, it's the the I, I don't know, like people who like live stream them making art or something like I've seen some uh, comic book artists do that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, um, th- that kind of like having the internet in your in the room as you're working just uh, i don't know the, how well that would work for me um because i think one of the things that's nice about if you're doing live streams and stuff is if you can actually interact with the audience but if as i said you know i can't listen to it, even a podcast having somebody like a mess a stream of messages at the side of my screen as i'm trying to work that would kind oh, yeah. of like destroy any any productivity i had but you know something in the developer space i guess is what where my main competency is so that's kind of the I guess what I would do, but uh, what I don't know. And there are pl- the thing is there are plenty of good developer po- podcasts, especially in the you know the the Apple space, you know things like Under the Radar. And so I'm not sure that I could particularly add anything new, which is one of the reasons why I don't really have my own podcast, and I'm just happy to be the perennial guest uh, because it's also it's much less pressure, you know. I don't have to do something every week or on a certain schedule. I just turn up, you know, yeah. do my bit, leave. Then somebody else does the editing. Somebody else does the promotion. Somebody else does everything else. And, you know, uh, I get I get to sort of wash my hands of the whole thing and just walk away as soon as I stop, as I, I stop recording. Okay, you've brought this up a couple of times. You're, you think, you, you think the shows that are um, often enjoyable to listen to are just friends talking right yeah so who would you who would you talk to i'm gonna make you sit down every week and talk to a friend or somebody on the internet who are you gonna talk to so i would say mike hurley 
uh, he's a good friend and I don't get to spend enough time talking to him. But he has so many shows already. It's never going to ever happen. And I I don't know what we would talk about. I've been on Upgrade as a guest twice. And, you know, I've been on a number of shows with Mike. I really like Mike. He's a good friend. Uh, So that would be my choice. But it is not. And, you know, there is a certain amount of the two white guys talk about something on a podcast is like, do you need to bring more of that into the world as a regular uh, podcast? I'm not sure I need to, but I really like to talk to Mike. I think you're underselling something though, right? And and I'm going to speak from a completely, (laughs) I don't know if ignorance is the right word, but a completely American perspective here. You both have accents, (laughs) right? So therefore, when you add the accent in, you could really talk about anything and people are going to be like, wow, that, that is really cool. That is really interesting. Right. Just because it's, it's new and it's novel and it's, it's uh, just fun. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've heard before that people like the accents and I think that's one reason that why Total Party Kill UK has caught on a bit. Um, but then in another way, it's like, wait, so it's just the accent you like and it's nothing to do with like what we're actually <laughs> saying or, or anything. <laughs> Oh, no, that's not true. But I'll I'll tell you what, the accent doesn't hurt you. I mean, it's like, I, because, you know, we're surrounded by various accents in this country. And, you know, up and down the UK, we all have quite different accents. And I don't sound particularly Scottish. Uh, like in Scotland, I'm sort of like halfway Scottish English. So in Scotland, I sound English and in England, I sound Scottish. Uh, okay. Uh, but... You know, like, so Liz has got a much stronger Scottish accent. Yes, yes, um, yes. And, you know, the, there's a wide variety of accents here. And, you know, mine is kind of modulated because my mom grew up in the south of England. So I've got a bit of her accent in there. And my dad grew up in Glasgow. Uh, so I'm sort of, I'm a, I'm a mix. But uh, I think it means that I'm I also am the the more understandable end of the Scottish accent. Because uh, I believe like the, the film Trainspotting got subtitled in the US, which I find offensive on many levels. Yes, and it was probably necessary. Yeah, probably. Uh, a very thick uh, Glaswegian accent uh, can be uh, hard to navigate. So, so we have the same thing here, right? Like I'm from, you know, originally, you know, southwestern Pennsylvania, and we say we say different words. So... A rubber band, um, in where I'm from, we call it a gum band. Right. Um, you know, soda is pop. Um, we, so we have different words for it, and we also have an accent. So people will people will ask me, they'll be like, "Where are you from? Like, like, what's your region or whatever?" And then my wife is from Texas, right? So she's y'all and you know that southern, a little bit of a southern draw. Uh, it's funny how the different regions bring out different inflections and different um accents in people's voices yeah i i shall plug uh there's another podcast on the incomparable called pants in the boot and it's by glenn fleischman and it's basically about differences between uk and us language and also sometimes because there's a lot of uk panelists on it between different areas of the uk and there's a lot of silly stories and stuff on that and and each episode is you know like sort of 10 20 minutes at most because they generally when we've done it we've recorded like a batch of them over an hour or two and then it gets cut up into separate episodes great we'll have to check it out all right so as you've made shows 
right? You've said you've made upwards of 200. What are the challenges? Like you've talked about the pros of it, right? So there's pros to you socially. There's pros to you from a personal development standpoint. There's pros to you from a business standpoint. What are the challenges? Like what do you find hard about doing um, doing things where you put content onto the internet? Um, I think the hardest, so, so it's easier if you don't think about it, you know, and you just do it. Uh, it becomes quite hard if you actually start to think about the fact that the people are listening to it. You know, it's, it, that's hard from for my perspective. I think the hardest podcast that I did um, was uh, we did a, a TV podcast about uh, Daredevil. And I did a couple of seasons of that. And it's always fun talking to Mose. But it was a case of it starts to be you start to think about it differently and then it's like you know well i need you know i need to sit down and watch the episode and i probably need to watch it a second time while making notes so you know there's a couple of hours there and you know you have to do a certain amount of prep and look up background on things and 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 it is a it is work you know and it is uh you you can start to resent things you know, not that I did really on that, but just like if I was doing something on a weekly basis, and I think you're doing the hardest podcast, which is uh, you're doing a, a guest-based podcast. So you yeah. have to find a yeah. guest every week or however frequently you're putting these out. And that is, uh, you know, so you're starting new with somebody, starting from scratch, basically, every episode. So you're not building up the same kind of, like if you have the camaraderie of talking to the same person um and you might not necessarily know all the people that you're talking to so you know you've you've picked like the hardest thing to do as your as your <laughs> podcast so i ha- thanks james well thanks i i i'm i'm bringing the tough love here um yeah but you know i think it, it's also an interesting thing to do because like debug the debug podcast is was a fascinating thing because you have on all these developers and you get you know, like podcasts which are two hours or, or more long talking about various things. So you get a really good insight into into stuff. Because, um, you know, some podcasts like Clockwise, it works well that they're 30 minutes and it's fixed yeah. or whatever. Uh, and some podcasts I listen to, you know, they'll go on for hours, which is why I don't have as many opportunities to listen to different podcasts. You know, it's like, I don't know what the typical ATP runtime is at the moment, but it's quite long. Um and it's got to be two plus. And, you know, John Gruber's talk show is, you know, similarly can run two hours or, or whatever. And it's like, if you're listening to that, you know, in half hour chunks in the shower or whatever, that's quite a few showers. One of the things I find the most challenging, it's not talking. Like, I agree. Like, um, the setup of the podcast, getting the recordings well, like done well, actually talking to you, that, that, stuff's, that stuff's fine. The biggest challenge I have is, getting in front of people right because i'm i'm a nobody um and i'm trying to build a brand and i'm trying to build a reputation with people to where when i send an email or when i send a tweet or you know try to connect with somebody it it's not just um just some random noise that comes into somebody's you know system and they don't have time right understandably like i don't even i'm not even judging them for it they don't have time for that 
um, that's the hardest part, right? And then you get into the whole scheduling thing and you get into whole, you know, all that stuff. But that is also the most fun or that's one of the most fun things to me is everybody that comes on has a different perspective. Everybody that comes on has different motivations for what they do. And everybody that comes on has different um, stories mm. that they get to tell and that I get to, I get to listen to. So it's, it's like the blessing and the curse of if I can get in front of you, it's going to be awesome. And it might take me a while to get in front of you. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's just, it's a good, it's a good and a bad. All right. Are you ready for the lightning round? Yeah. I, I, no pressure. You know, it, it, no pressure, it, but all the pressure. Okay. So there's no pressure, but there's all the pressure. Okay. You don't know these questions, nope. which is what makes this fun. You need to try to answer these as fast as possible and as concise as possible. And I'd like to say that you have a minute to do all the, the lightning round questions. What I'll tell you is Jason Snell took way longer than a minute. So, <laughs> you know, my, my requirement on that is pretty loose, but here we go. Okay. Uh, overall, what is your favorite content on the internet? Oh, that's a very open question. Um, yes, it is. My favorite content on the internet, probably it is going to be podcasts. Uh, it is not going to be podcasts in the tech space. Um, I mean, if we can if we can discount things like Netflix as being content on the internet, because I don't think it is. It's just television. I agree. Um, I agree. If we're talking things like this, um, I listen to uh, a lot of video game related podcasts because I like to okay. listen to something that is not in the space that I work in. Because, you know, I want hobbies that are not necessarily, you know, being mined for content and things like that. Um and uh, there's a the podcast that I uh, am most I guess I look forward to the most is one called Waypoint Radio, which is a Vice podcast about video games, and it has a number of people on it that I followed for years. And I, I even emailed them at one point, and one of them said, "Oh, you're the Peacock guy," and I was like, "Wow," <laughs> you know, because because it, it, it's like the 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 game space is interesting to me because it's a parallel to the Mac develop or the apple developer space like the the conference is in was in moscow or is in moscone or was in moscone uh where apple's conference was uh for many years and there's a lot of the press are based around san francisco and so if you listen to the podcast they're talking about a lot of things that i know about but it's like I know lots of people in the Mac press, but I don't know anybody in the gaming press. But those are the kind of the people that I listen to and have that, I really want to be your friend. I know I'm never going to be your friend, but, you know, what if I wrote a video game and then somehow I got to talk to you at a conference and that would be really cool. Um, so, you know, it's that that stuff that I, I like the most is sort of listening to the is listening to the the talk around video games it's like not necessarily about the games themselves but just talk about the industry and the waypoint is a very political podcast as well okay. where they you know they they talk about things like um say uh labor issues in video games you know about unionization and and about things like that about things that you may not think about if you're just playing a game and, you know, the fact crunch is a big problem in both, you know, the uh, the tech world and the games world in terms of burnout and things like that. So it's interesting to hear from a different perspective, which is related to things, you know, but not necessarily about the, uh, 
you know, about your particular area. And, you know, I, I think that uh, we're way over a minute, but yes, that, that, that's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that I like. Okay, good. Uh, next one, right? Notice the, the lightning round, uh, is less lightning and more interesting. All right. Our favorite, uh, podcast, our favorite, your favorite personality on the internet. So not friend, not somebody that you go, you co-host with general personality. Who's your favorite personality on the internet? It's difficult because I've definitely had people who I have enjoyed their work on the internet that I have somehow turned that into a friendship okay. by stalking them at conferences um, and uh, until they finally admit that we're friends. Um, so, oh, gonna. I, I, I'm going to say that this is cheating again, but I'm going to say Austin Walker off the, the Waypoint Radio okay. podcast. He is he is a, a really cool guy, but I and he does a D&D podcast as well and, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and uh, I, he is somebody that I would really like to know. And uh, he, uh, so he he counts as my favorite. Awesome. Is there a show a creator or content that's on the rise right like it's not established it's not you know well developed well developed is the wrong way to put it but it's not established it's not very popular necessarily but it's coming up and and you think everybody should listen to it oh um this is this is hard because i so rarely add new shows okay because the stuff that i've been listening to for years and I rarely, rarely stop listening to shows. I mean, it happens, but, you know, sometimes through time pressure, I don't get to every episode of things, but there's some that I go that, you know, I feel that I've grown up and perhaps the the presenters haven't. And I eventually, you know, get to a point where I'm like, ah, I, I'm kind of done with this. Okay. But, but it's so rare for me to actually add a show because it's like a new show is commitment. It's like adding to the virtual <laughs> You know, I've got these piles of books, you know, I think everybody does piles of books that they haven't read and, you know, they need, they're mean to get around to and adding more virtual versions of that, of the stress of another thing piling up means I don't get into new stuff as often as I should. And, you know, if you're listening to the same podcast for 10 years or something, maybe there is an argument that you should be listening to new voices and whatever. Um but I'm bad at it. So I, nothing immediately springs to mind. I'm going to say just as a podcast that I enjoy that I have been on uh, that is not well known. Uh, Most Important Meal, which is a podcast hmm. notionally about breakfast um, by Brian Hamilton. I agree completely. That is the most important meal. Uh, it's Brian Hamilton and Truge. And you should uh, listen to that because it's just fun people talking about breakfast. You're only allowed to do one show. Which one do you choose? Oh, and this is one like across everything that I've ever recorded. Across everything that you've ever done, you're only allowed to choose one of those. The, The show that feels the closest to being my show. And it's not my show by any means, is The Rebound, which uh-huh. is a tech podcast with um, Dan Moran, John Maltz, and Lex Friedman. And Lex 
is a busy man and is often away doing other things or is on a cruise or is is he's away a lot so i fill in for lex uh so i'm kind of his understudy on that podcast (laughs) and uh i'm also available which i think is like the key thing to me being on lots of podcasts is that if somebody messages me and says can you be on a podcast in an hour i'm like sure (laughs) um and the rebound is just you know three people generally talking about tech stories of the week and it requires very little preparation because it's all stuff that we know about and it's just three people having a, a fun conversation it is a it's a podcast that i enjoy doing and uh i i would i would like to be a regular on that uh you know, to, to go from semi-regular to regular. Um, and if so, if I only had to do one, I think it would be that one. Okay. And then last question, last in the lightning round. What is your favorite non-developer or non-talking-to-the-internet activity? I guess my two hobbies come down to uh, going to the cinema, which I enjoy doing a lot, Um and seeing all manner of, you know, random things and finding sort of stuff that might not be as well-known or popular or whatever. And, you know, I fall down various rabbit holes of like Hong Kong cinema or Korean cinema or or whatever it is, Bollywood. Um, I really love Bollywood films. Um, and, you know, finding stuff that is not necessarily known to a Western mainstream audience, but, you know... If you look at the the sort of the different film uh, industries around the world, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff gets produced, but there's a lot of really good stuff gets produced that, you know, people don't see. And so, you know, with something like uh, Parasite re- winning Best Oscar, people are like, oh, South Korean cinema, you say. And it's like, and I'm like, yes, I have been watching these films for, <laughs> for like 20 years. But, you know, I'm glad that other people are finally discovering some of these directors and, and stars and stuff. Uh, so that's interesting. And I, video games is something that I, I do a lot of, more than I should. Uh, I tweeted something the other day, and it's like about, you know, oh, oh I have never, never enough time to read all these, you know, books and watch all these TV shows and all this. And, you know, and then I start a 120 hour video game. Uh, which I just did in that I was just playing through Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which was enormous fun and I really enjoyed it. My downtime sometimes of late has been actually doing the Dice app because I kind of consider that uh, my hobby project. But, you know, you should try and do things that are not your day job for your break so that you can actually unwind. So video games I enjoy and cinema. I mean, the thing with video games is that it does engage your brain uh but you know cinema you can at least you can just sit there and you can relax and you can just sort of take in a story so it's it's funny that you you mentioned the dice app at the end because my last question in the lightning round which i was going to let go because of time uh was literally a dice app right like like i because we've we've talked about it a little bit so i was going to let it go because but it's like I, i just find it so interesting that you know Oh, I'm getting into this thing. I'm doing this thing. Why isn't there a dice app? Oh, this makes, I should make a dice app. I'm going to make a dice app. Now there's a dice app out there that people can buy. So, I mean, the thing is there are tons of dice apps. If one, there? The, okay. the, there wasn't a shortage of dice apps. Uh, it was, it was Jason challenged me, 
which was uh, part of it. Uh, or at least, you know, did the, why have you never done this? And I'm like, hmm, okay, I'll do that. But it was, uh, in t- most of the me writing apps is because I want to learn something and I want to learn something new. And you touched on it briefly about there being a hidden game in the about screen of PCalc, my calculator. And that's because I wanted to learn about 3D graphics. I did some of it at university. Um, I've got a degree in computing science, but uh, I'd not really used much of that knowledge. So I wanted to kind of learn about doing 3D graphics and the Dice app or PCalc was originally was me learning about how to program the Mac. That's where it came from. It was my first ever uh, program that I wrote, full stop. Um, and uh, the Dice app, it's a small thing. So I can kind of change large chunks of it and I can do things like there's a Mac port using this technology catalyst. And I've been mm-hmm. learning about concepts of 3D graphics and learning about a, a variety of things. Uh, and the game stuff was this too, was kind of, I I think like one of the things is uh, people talk about uh, AR being something that's going to be big in the future. You know, there's all these rumors of Apple are going to have AR glasses and maybe, you know, augmented reality is going to be the next big thing. You know, we're all going to not be running around with phones. We're going to be running around with some device project- projecting things onto our optical nerves and that's you know that's going to be the next paradigm shift in computing i don't know if that's true or not but it's possible but a lot of that stuff is based around 3d graphics and i wanted to learn about ar and i wanted to learn about 3d graphics because this could be something that will be useful in the next decade for for what i'm doing so the dice app is a silly thing but a lot of the stuff that i've been doing in it is like how do I do this? How do I solve this problem? This is yeah. not something I've ever done before. Um, and that, you know, it's like, yes, you're just rolling dice around a screen. But I was trying to, there was things I was trying to solve which got me into doing uh, GPU-based image processing, which is something that I've never touched before. And it's like, how do I do this? You know, basically the equivalent of running sort of Photoshop filters across an image to make uh, a new image. And I'm like, hmm, I can do this. I can run this on the GPU. It runs really fast. And, uh, you know, this this is a whole area of development I've never touched before. And writing little pieces of code which run on, on the graphics processor, you know, that's something that I've never done. So all of this is just, it's a way for me to learn. Uh, but it's uh, also a fun little toy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if I'm if I'm like feeling down or whatever, just like coming up with a new texture set for a dice, you know, designing <laughs> a new little dice set, that's a lot of fun. And and so I can like spend half an hour doing that or, or you know, work on something else. And uh, a, a lot of code, like the about screen and the 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 dice app is sometimes it's in response to like, for example, depression or um you know the state of the world or you know as we said politics is not great right now and uh it's nice to have something that i can you know put some creative energies into uh distract myself from things 
Like, you know, like we, we talked about the coronavirus and you know, who knows what the next uh, six months of our lives yep. or, you know, rest of our lives are going to look like at this point when we're, we're recording. And I can see a lot of people who are now going to be working from home and going to need creative outlets into things. So, you know, maybe we'll have a, a sort of boon in Internet creativity over the next years uh, as a result of this. Very, very interesting. Uh, James, I, I thank you so much for your time. I thank you so much for your generosity um, talking to, to us and being on the show. I uh, thank you for talking to the internet, right? I mean, you do it a lot. Uh, you do it in a lot of different places and you bring a, a unique perspective because you don't, like you've admitted, admitted you don't own any of the any of the shows, but you, you come in and you go and you add a lot of value um, and just hearing your story uh, has has been great. So I want to thank you very much. I want to tell everybody out there, uh, go check out PCALC, download, buy, uh, go check out Dice for PCALC if, uh, if that's in your wheelhouse, if you need a Dice app. Um, thanks, James. I appreciate it. I, it's been great talking and we have we had an hour slot and i just see that we've gone to two yes. hours so um i hope that whoever listens to this has listened if anyone has listened to the end then thank you very much uh for thank you putting up with me no not at all it's been it's been a it's been a true pleasure so thanks and uh we'll see you guys next time <laughs>